Hello and welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week we discuss episode 30 of season 4 and episodes 34 and 24 of Common Rider Ghost. Here we are, we're started, we're in it, don't have time to waste, let's go. JoJo, episode 30, what happened? George, tell me, I'm Larry Davis, with me is George Brendel, we're talking about JoJo this week, let's go. Well, there's a cement dog in this episode, we're and he's got a... To business. He's got a thick ass. A what? Thick ass. Cement dog? Yeah, he's like a, he's basically like, okay... Seko is basically Chocolata's dog, his weird dog boy, and his whole thing, I guess, is that he can burrow underground and, like, soften cement and stuff. Yeah. He has some sort of weird, ill-defined cement-based power. I'm not sure if it's specifically cement or just, like, objects, because he was, like, in rock at one point. Yeah, I don't... I don't know if it's like a th- a thing sort of like a Trish's where you just make hard objects soft or something, but his outfit kind of seemed like cement or some sort of rock to me, so that's where I got that from. Uh, it doesn't but look anyway, like that at all to me. It looks more like leather. Um, it was also why it was kind of weird last time when you were like, oh, well, his stand seems to be a bodysuit or something. I thought he was just like a weird gimp suit that he was wearing. Yeah. Oasis's main power is to make solid ground among other things turn into mud. Among other things. Yes. So okay. he must uh he must touch it. If he loses contact with any chunk of it, it immediately hardens. That also doesn't seem quite right because he was in like a cavern at one point in this episode. <laughs> yep. Uh intricate series of tunnels that he apparently had dug for himself. Yep. Oh, man. Anyway, I don't want to dive into this whole explanation of his powers because I imagine that we're going to get more of that in the next episode. But, uh, yeah, basically he can turn ground soft if he touches it, according to the JoJo's wiki. So, technically, we still don't have a definitive answer on it because the JoJo's wiki's uh, not good. Yep. (laughs) Um, So this picks up right where the previous episode left off. And Seko is uh, filming everything that's going on, and he gets a really good shot. And so we get this bit of Chocolata just rubbing his hand all over Seko's head, going, good, 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 good. It's just like, yes, 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 yes. I love it. This goes on for so fucking long. It does. Oh, it's great, though. I really, really like it. And then he gives this this weird dog boy, this gimp man, uh, treats. Mm-hmm. 
this is where I got the dog thing because he's like communicating non-verbally and it's like a dog begging for treats. Yeah, he he doesn't say anything for a while. I wasn't sure if he could talk. Exactly. Like there was a while where I just figured, okay, like he's mute. Like it said that he was one of Chocolata's patients, so I thought like, oh, maybe like his tongue was carved out or his vocal cords. Uh huh. He was given a vocal cord parasite, and now he can't talk. Mm. You got quarantine. Quarantine him. That's right. By the way, I'm not feeling great. If anyone couldn't tell. Oh well, it's fine. Everything's fine. You'll live. Maybe. Allergies. Maybe I'll be possessed by the spirit of Goimanishikawa. Could be worse. You could be like someone I know who, when they get allergies this time of year, they sneeze so hard they burst blood vessels in their nose and bleed a fucking lot. Oh, great. Yeah. (laughs) The human body sucks. No, my nose just runs a whole lot. Yeah. Well, we all got problems. So, Seko gets his treats, which are just like cubes of sugar. Uh, and we get yeah, this really... so, you, you know what those are called? Sugar cubes. Yeah, no, they are, they are... Look, I have a problem now where everything that is cube-shaped, the name has to be preceded by cubes rather than cubes following it. Right, I mean, you wouldn't call it a whale cube. No, it's cube whale. Cube whale! Cube whale! Well, the official mascot of Stand and Deliver now. Uh, <laughs> right. Here about eight episodes from the end. We finally have our mascot. <laughs> I wish I had a cube whale as a pet. I would give it three cubes of sugar. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would need more than that, though. It's a big boy. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, no, it shrinks down. I mean, it's still bigger than the other cube creatures, but... That's true. Yeah. You could fit it in your hands if you so desired and you had a green screen available to you. Yeah. And I do. Oh, no. <laughs> um, That means you could green screen yourself with your head chopped off like in a Lone Wolf and Cub movie. Great. <laughs> yeah. Just really drape yourself effect. in the green screen. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, look, making movies is hard, okay? Especially back then. Yeah. Uh, so they... He he gets these three cubes, but the, the, the thing that I want to point out with this that I thought was great was, like, uh, Chocolata throws one too far and is, like, genuinely apologetic for it. And, like, Seko does this weird thing where he spits one of the sugar cubes out, ricochets it off the other one, and then catches both of them in his mouth. Yep, not sure how that works, but Seko is very good at it. Yes. This scene made me love these two so goddamn much. They're great. They're a good team. They, Yes, they are. They are my favorite enemy team in this season so far. Mm-hmm. I actually... I might like them more than any single one villain from Part 4. Oh, I don't know. I like Gacho a lot. Oh, from part four. Yeah. Um, nah. 
Like, I'm trying to think of a, of a character that I just immediately love to death in the same way that I do Chocolata and Seko from, uh, like, any other part. Shigechi. <sighs> so I had a character that I love, not one that I fantasize about myself putting six feet underground. Junkin' boy. <laughs> no! Six feet is not enough for Junkin' boy. Junga Boy needs to be put in the core of the earth so he can never escape. That's right. Even then, I don't know. I mean, he's still, like, he's on a terrestrial body. I'd, I'd rather just eject that dude into the sun. That's a good point. Ugh. So, uh, the, the plan for the Bucciarati gang at this point is they they understand that the way that this uh, mold power works is the lower they are, the more it affects them, and they need to quickly get to higher grounds. So they're going to steal a car and get the hell on out of here. Uh, but as they're running up these stairs, this is when we get the first bit of it going soft on them, and it basically the staircase starts like collapsing down into uh, into the pier below, which obviously poses a problem. Uh, but Mista and uh, Butrati, they get up, they start running for a car, and that's when we really get Seko like going after them, burrowing through the ground and uh, trying to attack them. And so this whole fight sequence goes on for kind of a while like this, of, of Seko just jumping out of the ground and going after Mista until Butrati, like draws his attention. And this is where we get the first bit of Butrati recognizing something is up with himself. Yeah. Uh, it, at least that we can see, like, it's obvious that he has understood this for a while now. Is this before or after Mista gets shot three times again? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry, for I glossed over that. He shoots Seko, but, like... I can't remember if it just bounces off of Seko or if he, like, punches the bullets and ricochets them back into Mista. Seko, like, sh he, like, spits something. I think they were, like, the sugar cubes or something. He spits at the bullets to ricochet them. Huh. Well, yeah, maybe, Mista maybe it was is... just his spit. I don't know. But, the, like, yeah. the whole thing with the cubes was obviously meant to foreshadow this part. Yeah. Um... Uh... So yeah, Mista is shot again, but it's fine because he naps it off later in the episode. Yep. <laughs> like, okay. literally, just, he takes, like, a micro snooze. He's not even sleeping for more than, like, 15 minutes, and then, like, he's just able to get out of the car and move around fully. Well, Jorno well, well, no, heals, heals him, but... <sighs> I forgot about that because it's such a fucking... It's such a bullshit blanket excuse for everything that... Jorno can do that because like at this point he's used his power to heal the group far more than he's ever used it like offensively yeah I mean how many times it's, has he used it offensively like twice it's it's a similar sort of thing to part four where like he the main Jojo just does not get in the majority of the fights at all and is mostly like the group medic I feel like Josuke had a lot more good uses of it though he did yeah, like I, I would say comparatively, Jorno is much more like just designated medic, whereas Joe's cable was like that was a huge utility of his power, but he used it for a lot of other things too. Yeah, and uh, Joe would do stuff like when he um, like punch through that bottle to trap the the uh, water dude in it. 
Yeah, you know, Angela. cool stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would almost include Jotaro in that, just as far as, like, other characters that are the ones that are, like, accomplishing more, because obviously that was a thing that we brought up numerous times while watching Part 3. But, like, Jotaro still primarily got in fights. Yeah. Punched but here's the thing. Out. Here's the thing, though. I would then argue that makes Josuke and Jorno more useful because they actually have powers that have multiple applications to them. So even though Jorno is not, like, getting active in a lot of these fights, he's still more useful than Jotaro ever was. Yeah, probably. Other than, you know, the whole killing a vampire thing, which actually mm. was important. It was sort of a big deal. A little bit. Just a tiny bit. Uh, so, yeah, we, we basically what happens is Bucciarati flings himself over, uh, back down to the pier, drawing Seko, and then he kind of spots Seko coming out of a wall and uses, uh, sticky fingers to punch him a whole bunch, which scares him back into his little hidey hole. But what's going on here is no mold is building up on Bucciarati. Uh, I actually forgot to check. I wanted to go back and see whether or not they actually had mold on him in the previous episode. I don't think so. Because So here's the, the thing that made me question that is... I wonder if in the comic it was something that maybe Iraqi drew the mold on him and then it was just an Iraqi moment like a couple chapters later where he was like, oh no, I have a different idea for this. Obviously something's up with Bucciarati and the mold wouldn't grow on him. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I feel like usually things like that happen a bit beforehand. Like, mm. if, if this had been before, you know, if this had been like ten chapters ago, then maybe. But I think by now he's figured out, like, what the deal with Bucciarati is and where he's going with it. And maybe. I don't know. Again, this is a guy who almost chokes to death on glasses of water. It's so. a good point. But I, this whole thing makes me think Bucciarati is not long for this world. No, I don't think he's going to make it to the end of this nope. season. I, I think he's got a few more episodes left. I think the question right now is whether or not he dies to... The amount of episodes we have left, I think that these are the last two like enemy stand users we get other than Diavolo. Yeah. And so it, it's really a question for me at this point of, does he die to these guys, or does Diavolo finish him off? That's a good point, because he's not going to just, like, dissolve into nothing or something. Obviously, he's got to oh. go out, like, protecting the rest of the group. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> to his credit, Seko is uh, very attentive. He's a very good boy. And he noticed that something was off with this uh, before any other character was, has been able to piece this shit together, including Jorno, who has maybe noticed it the most and had the most time to piece this together. Also, is the reason that it happened? Yeah, yeah, Jorno, it's Jorno's fault. Yes, uh, but the best part about this is Seko notices this and then calls up Chocolata on the phone. And instead of just saying, like, hey, something's up with Bucciarati, the mold didn't grow on them, 
he spends a long time saying like, hey, you know Notorious Big, the one they sent to the airport? Do you think your mold would grow on him? Like maybe... And then... Would that work on him? I don't know, because... Look... If he was dead, can your mold grow on, like, non-living things? Yeah, he just does that for a while until he's like, okay, well, it didn't grow on Butrati, that's why I'm asking. By the way, there's a car driving up the mountain now, bye. (laughs) I fucked up, love you, bye. And, you know what, Hugs and kisses and helicopter. Considering how badly he fucked this up, Chuck Lotta is fairly understanding. Yeah! There's so part of that conversation too. I really like is Chocolata just going like, "I don't know, dude." Yeah, like why? Would I don't. You know? I. I don't know what my mold does and doesn't grow on. Do you think I'm attentive to the? You're the one recording everything. Yeah. Oh, which by the way, this whole conversation while it's going on, like he has this little bit before it where he screams into the recorder and then is filming himself freaking out on the phone the entire time. Yes. Also, uh, Bucciarati had hit him in the face and, like, opened up a zipper on him. And, like, he has his hand up to his face and it's just constantly spewing blood the entire time, like, from between his fingers. Uh, man. But yeah, I do like that Chocolata, uh genuinely seems to care about Sucko. That is not the impression I would have had after the last episode. I would have thought that this is some sort of, like, Seko is afraid of him, and Chocolata thinks of him in some sort of twisted, like, ah, this is my weird pet man who I did unethical experiments on before mm-hmm. we got stand powers. But instead, it's just like, no, they, they have a codependent relationship. They like each other and enjoy each other's company. And that's way better. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of bizarre that there's a redeeming quality to Chocolata. Yeah. I don't know if I should like him as much as I do, but I really, really do. I mean, probably not, but he's fun. <laughs> yeah, he made a bunch of old people kill themselves. I guess he got a point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, he did. He did it in a fun way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The important thing is he had a good time. So we're in the car. Uh. Mista's taking a nap, and uh, we notice that a, frankly, massive chunk of Bucciarati's wrist is just completely blown off. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, just bone is sticking out at this point. And Giorno is just like, oh, you were wounded, I'll patch you up. And this is where we get Bucciarati revealing to him, like, that's not going to work anymore, man. Like, I'm technically not alive. And so it's basically the the thing that I had been pushing for a while, which is he's kind of a zombie. Yeah, this is not like a controversial thing. You're like, hmm, you know, I'm the one that's been saying he's a zombie. Yeah, <laughs> duh. He died and then Jorno brought him back to life. Yes. The reason why I brought that up, though, and only saying that I'm kind of right is because the other half of that was me saying that Jorno reanimated something that was at that point inanimate and it's just behaving in the way that Jorna would expect it to behave much like anything else that he turns into an organic thing it does what he wants it to that's not the case the case was that his sheer willpower to bring Butrati back 
actually just somehow fucking brought Butrati's soul and all back. Yeah. Well, I mean, that can make sense because he still has a stand. Yeah. Like, that that would be the... That would be the thing, I guess, that sort of blew a hole in, in my idea to begin with, which was that, yeah, you can still use the stand. I mean, the stand but... is all about willpower, and so obviously he has to have his own will. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, I guess, like... In my mind, I don't know, like, thinking maybe he could replicate stand powers. I, I want to say there was something with that, wasn't there? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember yeah, anything, though, so just, don't ask me. I don't know. I might be misremembering something else from earlier on. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I have mixed feelings about that. It's it's sort of the thing that I thought it was. It's still very obvious that he's a zombie. I'm a little bummed it's not the exact reason that I thought that, that would be the case, because I do think that this being an unintentional byproduct of his stand power is kind of cool. Like this concept that Jorno could totally make a zombie because that's just the way his power works. Mm-hmm. So a little bummed that they didn't explore that. Uh, but yeah, so so Butcherati points out like you know, hey, I'm not even bleeding anymore. I didn't even notice that my hand like literally exploded. My hand has exploded. Didn't feel it. Losing all feeling. Uh, skin's cold to the touch. So, no Butrati's not long for this world. <laughs> no poles. Otherwise, I feel fine. Yeah, great. Tip-top health. Yeah. No, I'm not hungry anymore. I don't need to sleep. It's not so bad. Mm-hmm. You're like Knuckles now. You're immune to sleep. Oh, no. Well, if that were the case, you would just, like, I don't know... Delete Diavolo And we'd already be done Great Yeah He just cast a Ultima 66 or whatever it is And just I don't know Scorched the entire earth Cast thoughts to screen 3 or whatever <laughs> Show everybody what you're thinking Yeah he uses that to give Jorno a recap on everything Uh Chocolata so... has a helicopter Yes, he does. <laughs> Which I made did. me laugh really, really, really hard. And I had to pause the episode. I don't know why, but just the thought of this clown doctor piloting a helicopter <laughs> is extremely funny to me. It really did just make me think of Liquid Snake and the Hind D, like this whole time. <laughs> You'd have to be crazy to fly to fly Hind in this weather. <laughs> Uh, so they Alright, so of our crew Who's the Mei Ling? That would have been a Bashio, But he's oh, not alive Because I was yeah. originally going to say Trish But not really Although she does like have a bit of insight About Bucciarati's zombieism in this one Trish is more of the Naomi Hunter because she doesn't necessarily get along with the group, at least at first, but warms up with them over time, and one of the antagonistic characters is of relation to her. That's true. I was actually going to say Meryl because she's the daughter of a high-ranking official, although this time it's an enemy. 
Uh, also, oh, there's not many women in this yeah. part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, so yeah. she could be both. Yeah. yeah. Although I kind of like the idea that Nista is the is the Meryl because he's also like really good with guns, and Meryl's got that whole thing with the uh, Desert Eagle. Yeah, he's also got a good butt. Like you oh, can look yeah. at that butt, and you can tell it's him, even if he's in disguise. Not as good as Seko's butt, though, because holy moly! Definitely, absolutely. Just there's a shot early on in this episode where he's on all fours with his butt hiked up, and there's a lot of attention to detail on Seko's butt cheeks in that shot, and it's really something. I would be disappointed if there wasn't. <laughs> I mean, tying it back to the Metal Gear Solid thing, part of the reason why I had my attention drawn to that is I stumbled across an image of that from the comic where someone put the dummy thick stuff in the word bubbles. Of course. Which, say okay with me. Uh, Colonel, I'm trying to sneak around, but I'm dummy thick, and the clap of my ass cheeks keeps alerting the guards. Uh, so yeah, th their car crashes, uh, and I'm forgetting exactly how that happens. I think, like, doesn't the... It couldn't be that the ground got soft, right? Because I think that Seko doesn't drop down until a bit later. I thought that was... I think he shoots at him from the helicopter or something? Oh, yeah, that might be it. Point is, everybody jumps out of the car, and uh, Bruno uses a zipper to kind of, like, drag them to safety. But the direction that they were driving in was downhill. And so the mold that is now, like, billowing out of the helicopter is affecting everybody nearby, uh, causing people actually up on higher ground from them to immediately crumble apart. Yep. I noticed this, too. They do not move to lower ground, and they still just immediately dissolve. Yeah. I don't know if it's that... Like, the mold is still making its way down, and so maybe a higher concentration of it is hitting people up at the top first, whereas before, maybe it had all settled at the bottom? I don't uh... know. This is dumb, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, and so they... Mista shoots at the helicopter, but uh, Seko blocks it all, and then he parachutes down. He doesn't actually parachute down, but I wish he did. I wish Seko had a little, just a little backpack on him and, like, a parachute popped out of it. It's not uh, high enough up to use a parachute. I don't care. I just want to see Seko in a parachute. Well, me too. <laughs> just with an adorable little backpack. I mean, as it is now, it is kind of like the opening of Metal Gear Solid 2. Like, he's jumping onto the tanker. Oh, sure. He does that weird landing. Yeah. And There's like hands chum, spread chum, out. Chum, chum, chum. Yeah. This is Seko. Kept you waiting, huh? Let's reach the okay, sneaking point. I'm gonna burrow under the ground now. Get real weird with it. <laughs> Just burrow through the tanker to get those pictures of Metal Gear Ray. <laughs> Opens a hole in the wall and starts taking pictures. Yeah. Or no, he I mean, would do that. He would have the camcorder with him and he'd like take a lot of shots of the commandant. That's right. Then so like Chocolata would be fucked. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, Otacon would be 
about it, but like Chocolata would be fucking psyched. <laughs> Otacon's just like, what are all these pictures of, Seko? <laughs> I'm just imagining like is getting sent this recording back from Seko in the tanker when the Commandant is getting shot by Ocelot, and he's just <laughs> full-on orgasming at that point. <laughs> Just imagine how many head rubs Seko would get for that one. Oh god, he'd get a whole bag of sugar cubes. Seko zooming way in on Olga's armpits. Chocolata's not into that. Uh, I think Chocolata is into a lot of things. Mm, I don't know. I think, I think Chocolata's into hard yet smooth bodies. Hmm... All right. I mean, if I had to guess, I don't really know. I don't want to be inside Chocolata's head for, like, any length of time. Anyway, Misto uh, shoots some bullets at the helicopter. Jordo, yeah, well, there's uh, a what? There's a really good bit where he's just like, I can't make it from here, and then Jordo just, like, takes his hand like they're about to do a salsa dance, and is like, no, nah, you just gotta believe. Mm-hmm. Shh, just fire the bullets. You're the only one who can do it, Mr. You're literally the only one. You're the only one with a gun. The rest of us don't have guns. I'm not sure why. Seems like that would be a good idea to have guns, just in case. Yep. You think if... He keeps a lot of bullets under his hat, and I don't know... This thought of like if he took his hat off and like his head were like just a bowl that is full of bullets. That would be good. Just a Halloween bowl that is just full of nine millimeter rounds. The sign that says take one, please. <laughs> it's on a little post a note on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, he shoots these and of course they totally whiff by the helicopter, but the point was that Jorno has used his power to uh, basically make plants grow out of them, which wrap around the helicopter and stop it. Because uh, the concern right now is not only that this mold is going to spread to the rest of the surrounding area and infect innocent people, it'll also spread to the Coliseum where their uh, their contact is waiting for them. Right. The mysterious contact. Contact. Yeah. <laughs> Which we have no idea who that could be. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for the episode. Uh, hopefully, next time we finally see the reveal of Jean Pierre Ponareff. Wait, what? Hmm. Okay, on to roulette. Blackjack hand, dealer man, you better pay off that last bet. Two-bit hand, twenty-one.
So first up, Kamen Rider Ghost episode 34. Uh, we watched both these episodes because George did not remember the concept that he brought up last week. I don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> of course not. Why would why would I do that? Anyway, first is 34. Uh, yeah. Enter this the dream the... world. What is it? Kirby's dream yeah, land? Uh, yes. Inception. Oh, good. Yeah. Super Sentai is getting incepted. Uh, this is the first episode of Common Rider, like any season of Common Rider, any bit of Common Rider media that I've actually watched, by the way. Just cool. to get that right out of the gate. It's the first um, one I have seen of the original Japanese form. I had watched uh, Masked Rider back when that was on TV, uh, when they were trying to capitalize on the Power Rangers thing, and I loved it. So let me ask you this, because maybe maybe you'll have an answer. I'm guessing you probably won't. Was Big Bad Beetleborgs actually based on like a Japanese show, or was that just a wholly like a full-on American attempt to sort of capture that kind of lightning in a bottle? I think that was all American. Okay. I think, but, I... but I'm not sure. It definitely had like a higher ratio of American-produced stuff in it, if it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, they had that one dude who was just straight up looked like Jay Leno. Yeah, Jay Leno ghost. But as like an alien. Yeah. Or, yeah, it was a ghost, I guess. Yeah, and there it's was a werewolf. It's been a long whatever. time. Yeah. I... I don't know if we have access to it, but I would almost suggest putting Big Bad Beetleborgs into this. That would be good. Yeah, I don't think we actually have enough episodes left of this podcast to do that, but, you know, it's a Wait. thought. Um... You know, it, it it was it was from a Japanese series, but I don't think it was like part of the Power Rangers series. Like it wasn't a Sentai one. Oh no! Like that's not what I'm asking. Because some of what kind of made me think of this was Common Rider's designs and how it's different from Power Rangers, but in some yeah. ways, sort of the bug aesthetics of it reminded me of Big Bad Be- Beetleborg. So I my first thought was like I wanted to look up all the main Common Rider characters for every season i found a big like image compiling all of them uh and when i saw that i was just like oh i wonder if like big bad beetleborgs was like maybe it was some sort of common rider thing or like maybe it was a totally different series apart from common rider and and super sentai and i i don't know it's been a long time since i've seen beetleborgs but i i think it probably was but there was also like well, vr troopers and I don't know if that was based uh, on a Japanese show. Oh, wait, no, VR Troopers was... Because VR Troopers is based on... um, Was it like Cyberman or something like that? Or no, that's Super Samurai Squadron. It's just that's like based so... on Gridman. It's so weird that there was just this one point in the 90s where some company was just probably like, yo, we could buy like a lot of footage of this Japanese show for like real fucking cheap and just like insert a bunch of American actors into it and maybe make this thing work. And it like blew up real big. And then you had this period of time where a bunch of super Sentai like shows ended up on TV in America. And once that 
past, it's never happened again. Like, there's still Power Rangers, that is it. Okay, it is based on Juco B-Fighter and B-Fighter Kabuto. So, yes. So, it is a thing, alright. It does mention, unlike its contemporaries, the show had a greater emphasis on sitcom elements. So, okay. like that's the I, thing I remember from Beetleborgs is there was maybe yeah. five minutes of the actual Beetleborg stuff in each episode. Yeah, I remember Beetleborgs being more about uh, comedy than, like, Power Rangers was mostly just action. Yeah. Like, there were funny bits in it, obviously, you got sure. Bulk and Skull. Bulk and Skull. But Beetleborgs was, like, almost entirely just a comedy thing from what I remember. Yeah, and Beetleborgs also, like, you had the American actors for, like, Jay Leno Ghost while in Power Rangers they just dubbed over Rita Repulsa and all the weird monster men yep uh, I had mentioned it to you briefly uh, before we sat down to record I watched like a side by side comparison video of like the first appearance of the Green Ranger between Super Sentai and Power Rangers and the thing that was really cool about that was actually seeing the way that they cut footage out and jumbled it up and rearranged it yeah, like just seeing these action sequences from like, like just getting a, a fuller appreciation of the way the editing process must have worked for Power Rangers. It's actually kind of neat. So yeah. apparently that's that exists for a bunch of other scenes from like different series and stuff. So and you said that uh, the Green Rangers line in the original show is "Go to hell's you ranger." Yeah, I like. just. He jumps into the Megazord and tells them all to go to hell and then fucks them up. Very on brand for Green Ranger. <laughs> just throws all their asses out of the Megazord is like, bye bitches, and just fucking leaves. Right. Green Ranger has uh, always been the best, it turns out. Yeah, yeah. Uh the actor in the Japanese version looks significantly older than the rest of the Power Rangers. <laughs> anyway. uh, it looks like he is uh, well into his 30s, while the rest of those guys are like 19, 20, you know, not quite hidden 25. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a little weird. So on uh, to Common Rider, episode 34. Yes. Hi, welcome to Common Rider talk, where it's mostly just me bringing up Big Bad Beetleborgs. Well, you can be forgiven com- for that. <laughs> the common writer looks kind of like a beetle, so I wanted to he talk does. about billboards. The intro to this show really made me appreciate how close these type of shows are to just straight up being anime. Yep. Because it just opens with the main character, like, flying down from the sky, which is like a huge anime opening trope. Also, and it really going. <laughs> also, all of the episodes start with a recap of like the basic concept for the show, where he's like, "Hey, I died, yeah. and then I came back, and now I've got ninety nine yeah. days to get my soul back, or whatever." You know the kind of common rider who, uh... ah, I forgot the intro to "My Name Is Earl" completely. <laughs> it's been too long. Good bit. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was going somewhere with it. I'm just trying to be a better hero. My <laughs> name is Common Rider. Yeah. Just makes a list of all the weird monsters he's harmed, and one by one he's going to check them off his list. Right. 
I really want that now. Just a common writer show where he tries to make nice with all the monsters he's fought. One of them's just Goldar's just living in like a fucking circus commune. Yeah. Rita Repulsa doesn't have legs anymore. Oh. Okay, talk about this episode. I forgot to change something on the roulette list. I gotta add okay. something here. Well, so to kind of clear everybody everybody into the basic concept of this common rider show, uh, as you said, he has died at the start of the series. Uh, one of the enemy monsters, I can't quite remember the names. Uh, they they killed him, and so now he's a common rider, and he has only so many days to basically put an end to all this nonsense, so he can come back to life. And if he doesn't do it by then, he will stay dead forever. Or I think, like, actually, he just straight up disappears or something like that. But part of his powers, too, is that uh, basically he has these different, um, it's like 15 different eyeball things. Like, the gimmick in this, instead of, like, a cube, it's like an eyeball that contains the, um, like, the soul of a famous visionary or something like that. Like, there's a Goemon in the next episode that we watched. In this one, it's the Brothers Grimm. The um, best one though is Edison. Edison's oh so fuck! Good. Yes, it is. Edison. <laughs> yes, Edison. Is. I am Edison. No, Edison. Bow, bow, bow. He's just <laughs> so just the Thomas soul... Edison with a motherfucking gun. <laughs> yep, it's just Thomas Edison constantly shooting people and saying his name is Edison. I'm Edison. I am Edison. <laughs> That's his whole thing. He's like a Pokemon. Yeah, he's just. He's like Groot. Yeah. He just says I am and then his name and that's it. But like unlike Groot, he just fucking straight up has a gun and is shooting people. <sighs> what the where I'm going with this is Thomas Edison is the most accurately represented out of any of the uh, illuminaries featured in this common rider series. I don't know. Goemon is pretty accurate. He he is still a bit of a cartoonish rep- representation of him. I understand going on very theatrical. Thomas Edison, though, ripped right from the history pages. That is a hundred percent Edison. Yes. The only way he to be more right... accurate is if this thing popped out of Common Rider's belt and electrocuted an elephant. We've all read Telsa's uh, documentation of Edison just walking into his lab screaming, I am Edison, and shooting all of his glass tubes. Yep, that's right, just explodes an Erlenmeyer flask. (laughs) Like, breaks one over the head of an assistant while yelling, (laughs) I am Edison! Uh, I really like to imagine, though, that the real Edison is doing this, but he talks more like a Frankenstein monster. (laughs) Sure. I am Edison. I am Edison. He reloads his gun. What happened to this episode? (laughs) The crew's all gathered in a lab. They're gathered in a lab or something, and there's a ghost, a ghost eyeball child. Oh God, yeah, and a weird ghost eyeball fetus. Yeah, and uh, an old guy who looks like Jiraiya from Naruto, who appears and apparently oh, are, looks. Are you? What? Are you talking about the um? Oh, what do they call them? 
I'm blanking on it. I don't know. The people what do who, they call the them? The people who think that they have multiple souls inside of their body. Walk-ins? No. no that's a different thing. Uh, uh, I don't remember, souls. man. I don't know. It's a dumb it's a dumb internet thing where people think that they have like multiple souls of like their other reincarnations or something like that inside of them and they I flip between different personalities. Oh no. It's it's a thing. But basically, yeah, he, so. he reminded uh, me of that. Like, he's got multiple personalities inside of him. One is, like, an old dude who seems, like, very tuned into everything that's going on. And the other is, like, a lady who is very flirtatious. Is that what was happening? I th- I think. Okay. I wasn't sure I don't if know. it was that or if it was just Japan being homophobic again. <laughs> Yeah, like, so I was going to say, I don't know if it was just, like, a trapped soul of a very flirtatious young woman, or if it was just a hysterically gay guy. I like it either way. <laughs> Me too. Uh, just fucking Paul Lin's soul somehow attached to this old <laughs> Japanese guy. <laughs> uh, we have to enter the dream world. Come on, fellas. Um, <laughs> I really want that now. Me too. Uh, he just walks back in late from his stint on Hollywood Squares. Boy, you wouldn't believe the day I've had today. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this yes. this episode though actually starts with a bunch of people laying down on mats, flat on their back, with their hands to their sides surrounded or, or surrounding a statue of a zebra and a donkey that's right Just okay totally normal japanese sleep study going on uh-huh testing for sleep apnea we also get a little bit very of serious the... con... what sleep apnea it's a very serious condition yes yes <clears throat> i thought you said are you serious i was like what uh yeah we oh. also get a little bit of the dream world where everybody is skipping through a meadow yeah, uh, one of them's uh, dressed up as like a uh, bug catcher, which is the brother of a professor who shows up, and basically he's concerned that his brother is part of this weird, evil sleep study that's going on, and he wants the uh, common rangers. I don't know if this group has like an actual name. I know it's like the common rider, and then there's some other dudes who can also turn into things. Yeah, I don't know. But basically, he wants them to go get his brother. And while this is going on, the uh, soul of the brother's grim departs one of the eyeballs and jumps into this dude and makes him fantastic. Yes. The grim. We also get like uh, we get like uh, trivia about who the brothers grim are. You know, for the Japanese yeah. children who wouldn't know, and. I don't know why why they decided that this is like the personality of the Brothers Grimm. Yeah, so at this point it's just one of the brothers and basically he is like, does he have like a crown on or something like that? Yeah, he has like a robe and a, like a scepter even. And he's like parading around, just going like, "Ooh, we should all go in the dream and have fun." Ooh, yes, oh my. One, one of the brothers is really fun-loving and talking about how he should always have fun, yeah. and the other one is all business. Yeah, 
the other one is his parents died, and now he's got to take care of his brother, who has a condition. One brother Grimm always tells the truth. One brother Grimm always lies. Solve my riddle to enter the dream world. Oh, man. So I actually... I started giggling a bit because I skipped ahead. Uh, I was looking through the timeline in this episode. Uh, this actually takes place just after this scene where the, the group, they they basically got their mission. They're going to go take care of things. Uh, we catch up with the, the villain. Uh, pretty guy with, like, uh, he's got two earrings on and he's kind of got his own, like, kind of cape, very regal-looking thing going on. Uh, but, like, a a copy of himself in, like, a white spandex jumpsuit shows up and then makes multiple copies of himself that are all just very clearly different people in different suits with this guy's head green screened and superimposed onto all of them. Uh-huh. And there's still a bunch of very visible green screen artifacting around them. Yep. It's great. Looks so bad. Also, when he turns into a bunch of them, the one guy says, like, oh, so you can evolve? And how is turning into a bunch of himself evolving? I don't know. Like, it doesn't matter, because the old guy in the robe has a bunch of the icons, which are the little eyeball things, out in a row, standing in front of him. Because he's a showman. He's, yeah. You, know, <laughs> you gotta, gotta put a little show on for everybody. You guys like my icons? This is what we're I had to eat. I had to eat kids' meals for two months to collect them all. <laughs> I went to the person at McDonald's and I asked if I could just buy the toys. They said they don't do that <laughs> anymore. I told them I just want to give you two dollars. I only need the Grimm Brothers icon. <laughs> this is just reminding me of I. I wanted to go get a Lord Zed action figure last week. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm oh, sorry I'm week. trying not to go off on a bunch of tangents it's, it's been a while it's been a process there, Hasbro's put out this Power Rangers Lightning collection look it's fucking related to this and it's actually like kind of good and I sort of want to pick up some of the uh, Mighty Morphin Power Ranger ones that they're putting out they got a really dope looking Lord Zed it's only 20 bucks problem is Hasbro's paint application on figures is not so great. So you don't want to order online with them. You want to go into the store and actually get your eyeballs on it and make sure you get one that's that looks good. So my Walmart has been perpetually sold out of these. They have one sad looking Red Ranger hanging in there that I that I don't want. It comes from some other bullshit series I don't care about. And so like I was preparing myself you say that for now, this. Just I was... wait until we get to whatever series that one is from in Tokusatsu Roulette, and then you'll be like, oh man, I should have gotten that one. No, so I was actually for real considering when I was watching the crossover episode, if they put out the Red Ranger, but they give him like a tiny like cube whale accessory, like I'm pretty much obligated to. Yes, definitely. I'm, I'm pretty much throwing down the 20 bucks just for the tiny little cube whale at that point, is what I'm doing. Uh-huh. I don't give a shit about the Red Ranger. Do you know if that series like came out in the U.S.? Uh, it has not. I've looked oh. through all the like released Power Rangers so far because I was actually curious about that, and it does not seem to have come out. Um, but anyway, I so I was 
I had gone into the Walmart a few times since then and was starting to think, like, I should just ask somebody when they're, like, restocking the Power Rangers figures. Also, I'm 31 years old, so I don't want to tell them that, like, it's for me. So I started coming up with this elaborate lie of, like, uh, well, you know, I'm introducing my kid to, like, a bunch of stuff that I used to watch when I was a kid. So I bought all, <laughs> like, the, I bought the Power Rangers, like, DVD set. I've been showing it to him, and, like, he's really loving it. And, like, his birthday is coming up. And he really likes Lord Zed, and I wanted to get him, like, a Lord Zed figure for his birthday. It's, like, a big surprise. So, you know, you could tell me, like, they're going to restock those, maybe. This is what my fucking life has become. What did they say? I did not follow through with it. Oh. I thought of this whole thing in my head and then stopped myself and was like, this is fucking crazy. And then I just, like, left the Walmart. So I still don't have my Lord Zed. I mean, you could just say, like, hey, where are you stop restocking the Power Rangers figures? And then if they asked anything about it or, like, seemed weird, you could just come up with, eh, it's for my kid. Like, yeah, that's really all you I, need. That's what I could have done. Like, you're, you're old know, enough that that would not be something that would be suspicious. But then that's the problem, is eventually I'll get old enough where it definitely will be again. No, because you could then just say it's for your grandkid. Oh... That's a good point. Mm. I like this racket that I got going on now, this like cover story for buying action figures at the Walmart. That's right. Now, you can't use that cover story for when you're buying like $150 Venom Snake figures because <laughs> that's not for a kid. But that's all it's online. It's just $100, that's all, that, first of all. all. <laughs> Number one. Okay. This, $95, technically, please. I didn't even break the three-digit mark on that one. Asshole. I can't wait for that to come out. Legitimate. I looked it up earlier today. Just to look at it. I got a problem. A little bit. This old man's basically me. These like eyeball cube things on the ground is basically just like my shelf at home. <laughs> just meticulously lined up. You need to stop. <laughs> I'm constantly just, like, dressed in a robe with a blanket thrown over me and a bandana. <laughs> uh, anyway, so when, uh, speaking of, like, weird props in this thing that are, like, toys, is the main common Rider's got, like, a fanny pack? Yeah, that's where he gets his power. He opens the fanny pack and jams an eyeball in it, and then it transforms it's him. Is that all common writers? Yes. Like I I know that this whole thing of him switching outfits is supposed to just be unique to this, right? Because it's the souls are like swapping around. Uh no, they always have transformations, but it is always related to the belt. But okay. I think it generally it's just sort of like a belt buckle type thing. The fanny pack thing is more because he has to stick the eyeball thing in it. Okay. That's actually something with uh, the bit that I watched with Power Rangers is the the coins aren't referred to as coins. They're referred to like as like dino buckles. Like they pull them out of their belt. Right. So, okay. I guess there's like some belts, man, that they're just hung up on. I yeah. don't know. Enshin. Mm. Enshin a go-go, baby. That's what beautiful Joe says. Uh, so yeah, they get their mission, uh, they're, they're going to the sleep study place where they end up finding, um, sorry, I just actually got to the part of the episode where this dude is dressed up as the Wiz and trying to sell Common Rider mattresses. Love it. 
Nobody beats the Wiz. No, nobody. Um, yeah, they go to this like this place. Also, just looks completely crazy. This building does not look like any building that I've ever seen in my life. With this giant circular, just this huge hole in the front of it. Uh, but they go in there and they notice that basically all these people have these um, these bracelets on that look a lot like the ones that have like the little magnet magnets in it that old people buy because they think it purifies their blood or something like that. Yeah, the weird copper magnet things. <sighs> yeah, no, my stepdad is extremely into those. I don't think that's about purifying the blood. I thought it was just supposed to be for like joints. That was something that helps joint pain. I thought it specifically was about blood circulation. I don't know. It doesn't work either way, so whatever. Something about the iron in the blood is what I thought it was about. But oh. yes, it's it's bullshit. It is a piece of rubber with a little tiny bit of metal in it that somebody makes you spend way too much money on. Because you were old and you're in the mall and you saw a kiosk and you were like, Ooh, I have a disposable income. Ooh, magnets. Ooh. I'm old and fascinated by magnets. I love magnets. Uh, anyway, they leave behind the weird bald dude who just picks up a marker and decides to be a dick and draw shit all over their faces. Right. Of note, they're friends with like a Buddhist monk, the Krillin of this yeah. show, kind of. He's a total weirdo. He's a complete creep ass and I love him. Yeah, he's great. He gets even more anyway, chance to shine in the next one. Oh god, yeah, he does. Uh, so, we beam into the dream, which is when we start just getting assaulted with really bizarre imagery, appropriately. Uh, one of the characters just turns around and is just like... Uh, he sees one of the characters uh, who's like a scientist, and she just she's psyched that she can do experiments forever inside the dream. Mm-hmm. Just surrounded by lab equipment. Yeah. And then another one turns around and just sees his sister and she just says, what, what does she say? She just says Oni-chan, Oni-chan over and over, but like multiple versions of her pop up, like a little girl version, regular version, business casual version. Pirate a version, version? Of her that's just a, a pirate with a fucking mustache yep. standing next to a French maid. That's right. There's a nurse. Uh-huh. There's one who's just in a dress with, like, fuzzy nunchucks? I don't even know what that's supposed to be. Oh, Stewardess here. <laughs> anyway, he just, like, waves high at all of them, and then it's just, like... <laughs> it's just some dude sitting on top of a pile of... I, I don't know what this is supposed to be. Like, I think boxes of, um, tokiyaki? And he's just yeah. shoving it into his mouth? Yep. And he's just like has sauce all over his mouth And he's like oh it's so good <laughs> I love this show <laughs> Look when I saw the title of this episode I wondered if it was going to deliver on the premise And it does Oh yeah Yes it does uh, Also like this gave that dude a tummy ache By the way <laughs> Eating the dream tokiyaki made him sick to his stomach. Takoyaki, by the way. Uh, yeah, yes, I'm because sorry. he has like a giant squid, like a cartoon squid behind him too. So that's definitely what it is. Yeah. And then uh, the professor gets approached by like 
a, a short bald guy with an award and he introduces himself as being there to deliver the Academy's special prize. And like the professor is just really psyched up for it, but then he remembers he's in a dream, shakes his head, he's just like, I can't accept it. And then the little bald guy is like visibly hurt by this, tucks the award in and goes, what? Oh no! And then phases <laughs> out of existence. This was the part that made me laugh out loud while watching it. Because <laughs> he just like, just, he's so sad about it. <laughs> yeah. He knows. He knows that his the, the sole condition for him existing is that this other man just accept the award. That's right. And then he cannot handle rejected, the rejection. He, he knows yeah. his doom is imminent. It breaks his soul before his body fades into nothing. Not even the memory of this man remains. He does not exist anymore. That's right. <laughs> and anyway, you can see this on his face. Just this very real pain. That's right. And then after this, immediately the putty squad shows up. <laughs> yes! Also, weird that this show seems to only ever have two putty men on the screen at one time, almost as if though that's exactly the amount of costumes they could afford. Or that's exactly the amount of stuntmen they had employed. Oh, that's a very uh, good point. And, I think uh, about it that way. My favorite part is when they come here, like, their entrance, they just, like, pick up this tiny little tent and throw it to the side. Yeah. They're just knocking down these, like, uh, children's backyard toys trying to get over to the common Riders. Yep. Uh, two of them, by the way, can't transform. Uh, their belt has been replaced with, uh, like, balloon animal belt. And their their power thing, whatever they use to transform, is just like a little, like, a squeaky toy of a mushroom. Yes. So, only the main common Rider uh, can actually fight them. Common Rider Ghost... Uh, He's kind of got like a Red Ranger thing going on. Like, I think this is just like his base form, if I had to guess, but I don't actually know. I have no I idea. Because he transforms so. pretty quickly into other stuff. Yeah, he has like 80 forms between these two oh. episodes. I mean, he has at least the 15 different cubes. Or not cubes. Man, I'm still thinking of Icons. Yeah, he's got the 15 different uh, icons, and then he has, like, a transformation that utilizes all 15 of them on top of that. Uh, as far as I know, he doesn't turn into a giant ape man, which is uh, disappointing. Unfortunate. Yep. It's mark of a good Sentai show. It's if you can turn into a giant Donkey Kong man in a spandex outfit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, the brothers uh, that we have actually come here to to rescue uh, start to fight among one, one another, but then the brother Grimm takes over the business-suited brother again and kind of validates the uh, bug-catcher brother. It helped if I remember. It doesn't matter. It, do it really doesn't. So... Although I do like his little, like, flower-shaped uh, pail that he keeps bugs in that he caught. It's very cute. He wants to um, show everybody they got a rhinoceros beetle. Yeah. It's nice. Bugs are neat. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, the, the, the jovial Grim brother takes over, but then it gets swapped out for the more like serious Grim brother, and that is when our characters start to realize that there's this sort of brotherly turmoil that not only is it reflected in these two professor characters, but is also reflected in the brothers Grim. It's very poetic. It rhymes. Yeah. Grim brothers are the key to all of this. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but I do like the bit where they're sort of like jumping back and forth for superiority over this guy. And he's just like waving around between like a gun and like looking like a king. Uh, by the way, I would be remiss if I did not uh, say uh, George Lucas should be like motioning at a putty man and going, you know, the common writers just cut through these guys like butter. Anyway. Oh man. So yeah, we we uh Common Rider guy basically gets beamed into the icon and sees these brothers fighting, and that's how he realizes like, oh, there's a problem with this icon. This icon is dysfunctional and he needs to be sent back to the factory. This icon is for display purposes only and must be destroyed. That's right, he just starts hitting it with a hammer. The Grum brothers are dead forever. Well, it's for the best. Yeah. Anyway, some like other putty men end up showing back up in the real world. These are, by the way, distinct putty men. They are different from the ones in the. Uh... In fact, I almost wonder if like these ones that attack totally not Krillin in the real world are the actual putty men, and maybe the reason that there are only two of these other ones is that they are specifically like two particular characters that operate as a duo. I don't think so. Okay, I like not totally sure because like the other dudes, there are like a lot more than just two of them. Um, yeah, we also get yeah, a Krillin's whole lot of is shooting men. them by the way with a gun. <laughs> we get a lot of Puttyman in the next episode, but yes, we do. Uh, yes, and and not Krillin was just drawing faces on people while they were asleep. I do like, though, when he sees, like, the two souped-up putty men that were in the dream, and he just starts, like, wiggling his jowls and going, like, Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 not that. <laughs> I'll wake everyone up. Oh, uh. It's real good. I really like Nakra. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but anyway, he wakes up uh, two of the guys to help him out. Um... And then we, uh, there's more fighting outside of the Dream Institute thing. Uh, I don't know. It's mostly that. <laughs> That's I, the episode. I did Thank mention you. how I like how this part they're fighting outside looks almost exactly like the place from the Lupin Ranger episode. Like, I don't know yeah, if it's true. like outside an airport or whatever, but it looks very, very similar. There's a bit in the next episode um, that actually kind of looks like that weird shopping mall area thing where they fought the cowboy guy. Right. Well, that's what I'm talking about here. It looks like the part just outside there. Okay. I, I didn't quite notice it on this one. I definitely noticed it on the second one, which, yeah, I wonder if that's just like a somewhat well-known location. Like, I, I'm sure this is, like, the same production company, so I'd imagine it's a place that they have easy access to. I bet it's just a case of a lot of places in Japan looking like that. 
That could There's be like it a bunch too. of planes that look like this. It made me think of like the, there's that one specific place in New York City um, where the train runs over and then like cars drive along the underside of it. Yep. I'm trying to remember the name of that place specifically. I know it has one, but that specific location you see pop up almost all the damn time in anything that is filmed in New York City. It was in. I want to say, I know it was in Amazing Spider-Man. I want to say it was in The Dark Knight. Uh, Dark and Knight? it's in John Wick. Well, a lot of those are shot in Toronto. Mm. There's a lot of places in Toronto they used to mimic New York City. In fact, I think I know the one you're talking about that's in... Uh, I don't know if it was Dark Knight or Batman Begins. I think it was Batman Begins, because isn't the part where Bruce is like homeless? Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm talking about when he's got the bat party and he's blowing the cars up and the kids are doing like the gun motions and then they have oh, that okay. really super awesome joke where they're just like, are we blowing up the cars? Yeah, okay, that part also. I think all of The Dark Knight was filmed in Toronto. I don't... I, but yes, I know, I know one of mean. those did film in Chicago, though, because I remember like living kind of close to Chicago at the time and people saying that they were seeing... like seeing people out there filming stuff there but, probably were some but yeah yeah but still like that that sort of specific thing i did i mostly bring it up because i saw john wick 3 the other day and i very specifically recognized it from that uh john wick 3 does take place in new york city though and so does amazing spider-man but whatever mm-hmm. Point is, maybe it's something like that i don't know i don't know if that's like maybe a famous location in some part of japan i got no fucking idea but it definitely looks like the same location yes so, for what that's worth, <laughs> uh, but in but anyway, we we get this weird. Um, I don't know what this dude's deal is. He looks like some sort of weird train conductor with goggles, and he has like a big necklace with like an orb on it. Orb. I don't know if he's like. I assume he's like a subordinate of the main bad guy, and not like. I, I don't know what his deal is. I have no idea. We don't find out over the two episodes that we watch. Uh, but he wants to observe Common Rider's new form and th- summons up, like, two more of these putty dudes and, like, a monster. And they all start fighting. This is where we get, like, Edison gets summoned out. That's right. This is also a part where Common Rider just, like, taps his belt and a bunch of ghosts fly out and blow up everybody. Oh, yeah. Good That's area a thing you can do. Yeah, I really wonder what the Edison like card says when it pops up in the episode he's introduced in. Yeah, yeah. We also uh, there is like a, a maniac from the early from the early nineteen hundreds of America. There is a a card for the Grimm brothers that appears like way later after they've been introduced. Oh yeah, like well past uh, it, it was, the point where that actually would be useful. No, I'm thinking of Goemon in the next episode. Like they talk about Goemon for a while, and then the card for him shows up like two thirds through. Well, I, I think that probably makes more sense in Japan, where you'd have much more knowledge of Goemon than you would like the Brothers Grimm or Thomas Edison. Maybe. I mean, they've got electricity I, in Japan. They should know about Edison. Eh, you sure about that? Uh, pretty sure. Yeah, okay. Oh, yes, I'm at the part where he's so. just saying, like, I'm Edison, I'm Edison, Edison, <laughs> as he's shooting this guy. Edison? No, Edison, I'm Edison. Oh, 
<laughs> he has a moment where he questions if he's Edison. Hold, hold he's on. been doing it so long, he's he doesn't feel as authentic anymore. That's right. Hold on a second. Here, I got. It's kind of muffled because of uh, all the explosions and gunshots, but you can hear him saying, I'm Edison. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Thomas Edison is probably my favorite part about this Japanese children's superhero show. And he's there for about 10 seconds. Yeah, but it's the best 10 seconds of my day so far. I I'm at the end of my day, so it's like definitely going to be the best 10 seconds of my it's, day. It's like that and the oh no guy. God, yeah, I love oh no guy. Oh no man. Like to be very... To be very clear, oh no man says oh no much in the same way Joseph says oh no. Like, he's just outright saying oh no. It's not. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. This isn't he says whatever the Japanese words are for oh no. That would be ridiculous. Why would they do that? Of course not. And then I like how before the credits or before the commercial break, there's a thing that's like coming up next, a new Gan Miser. And we do see a new Gan Miser here for about Four seconds. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the copies of this dude shows up and transforms. Uh, he, he quickly dispatches Common Rider, uh, but Common Rider gets up and he does his thing where he unifies like all 15 of the icons and turns into his new form. Uh, the conductor is super excited about this. And then the episode ends there. Uh, cliffhanger for the next one where... I don't know, either they stretch that out over a whole half hour, or, like, he defeats them pretty quickly and it just moves on to something else. Uh, the next episode preview actually kind of made it seem like maybe it'd be the... Maybe it'd be the what? I don't know. It might be the latter. No. Oh. Later. Uh, I like how his uh, transformation phrase is, got to ghost. really good somehow i forgot to mention that uh, but i do like this like silver ghost form he takes too with like a rainbow horn common rider just like unmatching people on tinder for no reason and just muttering got a ghost to himself so that's it and then next yep. episode 24 the long-awaited yeah. Zyoger crossover episode. Going back in time for this one. Which uh, thankfully doesn't really ruin anything about episode 34. That None of this makes any sense still. That's true. There's like a little... There's a little bit of like the bad guy's motives. So, if I were to say anything about... Like, 34 is my preference out of these two episodes i think that episode 24 it gets kind of bogged down by its b plot that sort of just doesn't really go anywhere interesting it's not necessarily fun it's not funny uh but its a plot is amazing yes it is it's so good also i know you don't care about but there's specifically a thing here in this episode that i marked out for Okay. I have no idea what you're talking about. So. Of course not. Nope. We'll get to it. I do not understand. 
Uh, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember precisely how this episode actually starts. Basically, there's been some stuff going on about like a character's sister has been kidnapped and taken to the uh, this other dimension, um, which, as we understand it, is not a good place to be because people are kept inside of these caskets where they just disintegrate. Uh, they get they get dusted like uh, Avengers, basically. Yeah. Um. And so, the, the the characters are they're they're not in a good place at the start of this episode. They really want to rush out there and save these guys, but some of them are being very cautious about them, going like, "Ah, it's kind of risky." Um, I think there's like Pablo Picasso is in this. There's some dude who's like painting, and I don't think they ever actually say like which illuminary it's supposed to be. You know what I'm talking about? What? I was paying attention. Bit? Oh, what? okay. Thank you. No, I'm saying <laughs> I said this. I think Pablo Picasso's in this episode somewhere. I think so. There's a painter guy who's he just busts out of a room and goes, I love to draw! I and then not... a lady shoves him back into the room and is like, get the fuck out of here i do not remember this at all okay uh you also kept sending me things and i kept like posting pictures of the monk guy (laughs) so i might have just missed it yeah well you'll probably get to it as we're scrubbing through this episode uh but so this episode opens a bit more hum a bit more humble than that you ever you ever go on a date to like a amusement park and like a weird porcupine man just walks up to you inside of like a tiny circus tent and he shoots you with a harpoon and then you get sucked into the porcupine man and you are no more i mean you could just stop at have you ever been on a date and i would be like no but also no to the other stuff well, okay. I mean, I thought it was a pretty common thing, but maybe not. No. Well, for other mm. people, maybe. But for me, no. Yeah. Happens all the time here. Oh, anyway, right. yes, that's the thing that happens. The at... paint monster. I forgot. Okay, yes, <laughs> I remember this now. Because he's here doodling. And yes, he comes to the door and says, I just have to draw again. She just shoves him out, closes the door, and he, like, slaps on the window. <laughs> It just like stays out there. Yeah, I did laugh at this. I just completely forgot about it until now. Uh, but you know that's even better because it means I get to enjoy it all over again. Yeah, it's nice. It's a little treat you left for yourself. The selective amnesia of yours. That's right. Uh, but we do find out that the guy who got his face drawn on by the uh, monk in the other episode we watched, I guess, like he's actually. The way that I interpreted this is he is of some relation to the main bad guy or just comes from that world, was given a mortal body, and is basically, like, going through the whole transition of bad guy to good guy. Yeah, he's the Green Ranger. And that might be why he, like, likes that treat so much is it's like one of those things of just like, oh, this human food is so great, I'm going to obsess over this one dish that all of you take for granted. Mm-hmm. For comedy, I would also like to mention. By the way, this series is pretty low rated on IMDb. It's like about six or something. 
I don't know what kind of bizarre standards like people have for these series, but I don't con- considering I don't. um what was the first uh, Lupin Ranger like that one also was kind of not well regarded. And oh yeah, we had a good time with it. So okay, I think uh, I think Tokusatsu snobbery is. Maybe one of the worst things. Sure seems like it. These shows are fucking stupid. Yeah. I love it. I, um... I had told you that... Or I'd ask you if you ever saw, like, a... A screenshot or a thumbnail on YouTube and were immediately like, Well, I have to click this because I have to know how this person sounds. Because I saw something that was like... A deep dive on uh, how they got Power Rangers in space wrong, or it was some Power Ranger series, and I was like, "This guy is definitely going to sound like comic book guy from The Simpsons." And hey, guess what? Pretty much did. You link, yeah, you linked that to me, and I never actually got around to watching that. I needed, I need to do that actually, because I, I wonder if that is the same guy I watched who was like going off on Lupin. There was Probably. some like YouTube channel where its whole thing is just entirely talking about Tokusatsu, which of course I think there's you know, a channel that's just nothing about nothing else other than like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff that keeps ending up in my recommendations. And boy, if you really want to watch somebody who just has fuck just nothing to talk about. I don't think it was the same guy because this guy seems to be Entirely talking about specifically Power Rangers and not the Japanese forms, okay. which is even worse. That is, I yeah, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles channel, by the way, is like some of the most dire, depressing shit. It's the Nintendo life of Ninja Turtles. I believe it. You mean Nintendo yeah. Force? Nintendo Force. I'm sorry. Nintendo Life is a different thing. But yeah, it's. I don't know why it keeps ending up in my recommendations. I never look up anything about Ninja Turtles on YouTube. I don't know why it's there. Those videos are rough. There's one that was just like, because I'm going to rank them. All, That's why. all of the... If no, they were, ending them... up, they were ending up in there long before that. Like, they had just popped up one day apropos of nothing. And it wasn't okay. just like one. It was like I was getting multiples of them. I was getting the thing where it was just like, have you checked out this dude's entire channel? Maybe you should. I have no idea why they ended up in there in the first place. But eventually I did. I caved and I checked one of them out. And then I got into a hole with it because it was like, I need to actually see how this person stretches out this one. Because <clears throat> there is not enough. Yeah. There's a bad cartoon on Nickelodeon and there is a good comic book from IDW. That is it. Yes, there has not been a good Ninja Turtles TV show since 92? Yeah, something when about that. When did that one end? I'm not sure. It started in like 87, I want to say. Man. Yeah it's, yeah, it's always weird to me how old that is because I watched it as a kid, but obviously it, like, it was like in reruns, so. Yeah, it, it got like a tremendous amount of replay on TV because it was the same with it. I was born i want to say when that show first hit airwaves and i remember watching it so it was at least still on tv when i was like five or six i mean there were new ninja turtles like toys and other stuff coming out 
yeah. when I was like five or six. So there's a lot of people out there who do not understand. They they have not lived through it like you and I did, where Ninja Turtles was really fucking big. Yeah. That was the thing. That was like that was your Marvel franchise. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's another thing that people today don't really understand they're younger is to them the concept of like knowing about something from before you were born is crazy because they haven't lived in a time when reruns were a thing. Like you can go to a streaming service now and watch old stuff, but you know, when I was a kid, there were still reruns of like the Brady Bunch and whatever on Nick at Night. And it hadn't been on the air in two decades. Yeah, no, I I also remember watching like Brady Bunch when I was a kid as well. I mean, I didn't watch it, but I knew it was on. Like I knew of I it. Whereas now I it's like I saw a quiz that was like um only forget what the criteria was is some buzzfeed quiz i think or something where it would guess your age based on if you knew things it was like the most obvious trivia from the 80s it was like um nancy reagan appeared on what sitcom and like it's multiple choice anyway so it's like it's different strokes obviously yeah uh but like i knew like nine out of ten of these things and it or no, it was supposed to be like 90s trivia, but a lot of the stuff was actually from the 80s. Anyway, the point was... That's, I mean, that's like actually it, something else, too. Sorry, not to, like, cut you short there, but, like, a lot of stuff that people view as being from the 90s, like, were actually from the 80s. Yeah. kind of bled over. Like, I think Ninja Turtles is more often associated with the 90s than it is the 80s when that was definitely something that started and got popular predominantly in the 80s. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah. Uh, anyway, my point was this quiz seemed to think I'm way older than I actually am because I knew about sitcoms that were still readily available when I was a child. So. Oh, sure. No, you're a real Gen Xer. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, Larry was an 82 baby, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. I remember the good old days of MTV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, what was Nixon's presidency like? I mean, you lived through it. Oh, well, you know, it was a wild time. Watching the Watergate hearings on TV as a child, it was a really formative experience. <sighs> Oh god, no, I mean, that would be like if that quid had stuff about Sid and Marty Croft, I would be fucking doomed. I'd be like, oh no. We need to <laughs> finish this. gonna think that I'm 50 years old. We need to go. Yeah. Anyway, the Goemon uh, soul shoots out of the eyeball and into Krillin's head. And shit gets weird. Yeah. He gets, like, the things on his back, like the the like white rope things and he gets the face paint and everything and he's just going moning it up. Yep. Uh specifically he, not turning into like going on Ishikawa as he actually would have appeared but like turning into paintings of him. Yeah. The the caricature of Goemon is what he becomes. Yeah, he even does like uh, kabuki poses and weird faces. Oh, yeah. He's got a fan, and he's waving around a whole lot. Uh, but it. basically, his 
Oh god, yeah, no, he goes all cross-eyed and everything. Yeah, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, uh, the the main character doesn't want to go find this guy who has recently become mortal because he views him still as an enemy and a rival of sorts. And Goemon is pointing out his own relationship to his rival and how they got along and trying to impart this wisdom of, like, you need to get over it and just reach out to this dude. Because you could accomplish so much more together than you would if you were apart. Uh, and while this is going on, our porcupine uh, big tent monster is back throwing harpoons at people in broad daylight. Yeah. And somehow nobody sees him just, like, tiptoeing around under this thing like he's Solid Snake. Yep. <laughs> Which is great. And Goemon believes him to be, was it Nezumi Odo or something like that? Yeah. Uh, but then realizes him to be an imposter, and then they have this uh, whole thing of like, oh, it's a hedgehog, and he's like, no, I'm porcupinoid. <laughs> yes, porcupine. Look at my spines, my quills, my beautiful quills. Also, he's a <laughs> member of Shocker, which I guess is the bad guy faction. Yeah, uh, but he has like totally different putty men from those buff ones. Uh, they were the ones that attacked uh, the monk in the real world in the other episode that we watched. Yeah, these putty um, men kind of look like um, jobbers from like Lucha Libre. Yeah, yeah, they got like Lucha masks on basically, where they're actually like open around the eyes and the mouth. You know, like they got kind of like a skull thing going on, like the armor plating sort of looks like a rib cage thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Goemon is showboating it up until he decides to, like, give his power back over to Kamen Rider, uh, who transforms. And this transformation is dope. He's just got, like, this big old Goemon, like, coat on. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I don't like about this is that it's this weird sort of pea green. Yeah. Or, like, this off-yellow kind I of like thing. I like the way it changes his mask, too. Like, it has these lines around the eyes, like the kabuki face paint. Yeah. Uh, also, I re- just would like to say I really like uh, Porcupine Roid because he's like half Lord Zed. Like half of him is fur and regular looking, and then like split down the middle, like Two Face style. Uh, he's like half skull and like meat. Yeah, Porcupine Roid is awesome. Uh, but yeah, it, I, I like the Goemon outfit. I just sort of wish it had a different color scheme to it. I think that's the only bit that's not great. Uh, yeah. But Porcupinoid tries to run away and we get a really good, like, Benny Hill sequence. Yes, it's just <laughs> zoomed way out, and they are running around in fast motion. Yeah, and then Porcupinoid gets chased onto, like, one of those uh, rides that's just, like, the boat that swings back and forth, and the red... Common <laughs> Rider's just, like, have a fun time, and Porcupinoid's just like, bye-bye! Also, in this fight, it just has cartoon like special effects like there are stars that appear yeah. when he knocks him down at one point and then when he gets on the boat it's like got those anime like squiggle lines around his head yeah and he's flailing his arms around a whole bunch that entire time which is yes salmon it up uh but yeah we we get some more of just uh the other duties become mortal again and uh one of the the female protagonist ends up coming across him uh but then the interesting thing to me is that we cut back over to the the bad guy lair and the old man from the other episode we watched is there counseling the main villain 
So he mentions that in the other one, though. He's like, hey, aren't you the other guy? He's like, huh? What? So... Because it's just like a really quick flashback to this other guy, like maybe a second. I must have missed that, but... Yes, I don't know what his deal is. I don't know if it's just that these are two different people who look alike, or if it's that something is going on and he has multiple people inside of him. If like I, I have had to guess, no I would say the good guy that was helping them is like the good spirit or good form of this guy that has oh. separated from this evil version. So it's a commie thing going on. Yes, I think so. Speaking of which... Uh, don't we get a bit where this guy is like, doesn't someone Kami and Nail, don't they fuse? Or maybe that's in a preview for a next episode. Yeah, I, I don't know. I actually skipped the preview for this one because I had to I, I get up. And... That must be it. But it must be the episode after this. It, there's there's some point where Kamen yeah. Rider like fuses with another guy. Hmm. Uh, so anyway... Uh, our main villain, uh, his dad is still alive, and he's in the prayer chamber trying to pray to, I don't know, some evil entity or force or something, but his prayers are not being answered. And I really, this is a really inconsequential scene in the grand scheme of things. I'm sure it matters a lot in this show, but for us, it don't make no sense and it don't matter. The only reason I bring it up is because this set is great. It is just the basement of whatever fucking building they were in at the time. It's uh-huh. completely flooded. Yep. There's water goddamn everywhere. Mm-hmm. They just set four lights up around this uh, old dude in a military outfit and just called it a set. There are four lights. That's a Star Trek reference, just so you know. Thank you. To an I appreciate it. I have not seen in a series I have not seen. <sighs> so, uh, yeah, this this seems kind of a big fat whatever for us. But then yep. it cuts back over to Goemon, or, or not Goemon, but the monk and uh, his friends. They're on a carousel. Uh-huh. We get the best line of this entire episode, <laughs> which is Goemon Dono was finally inside of me. He's very excited about it. He's been talking to the icon. Yeah. He's been talking to the icon every day, trying to become friends with Goemon. And Goemon possesses him again and just stands up and is just like, I have no idea what this jackass has been saying to me. That's right. And he goes around and he's like talking to everyone else on the carousel. There's one point where he like rubs the head of a girl that's on this thing. And as soon as he stops and turns around, she runs away to her mom. Well, she does? I missed that. Yes. It's great. Oh my gosh, she does! <laughs> and then her mom just, like, strokes her hair like it's going to be okay. Yep. <laughs> That's really good. It is. How could anyone not like this? I don't know. But this just, like, hard oh, cut man. back to, like, this uh, shopping mall or whatever. Where oh, right. they yeah. find a mysterious tent. No, no. There's nothing inside it, as it turns out, because uh, Porcupine Noid is just running up on them, just <laughs> ditching the notion of stealth entirely. Yes, it's a long shot of them like picking up this tent and looking after it, and then in the background is just Porcupine Noid just running up to them with a javelin. Yeah. 
Hey, look, to uh, to bring the comparison back to Metal Gear Solid, the first few scenes that we saw him in were very much like Metal Gear Solid 1 through 3 where stealth actually mattered. This scene is just Metal Gear Solid 5, fuck it, throw caution in the wind, just run up, blap, blap, blap. Uh-huh. Use reflex mode. Porcupine Noid is going to knock out Common Rider and Fulton him out of there. Good. But then, uh, but here it is. The, this is what we've been waiting yeah. for. Yes, 13 minutes into the episode, the Red Ranger from the other show shows up. Well, you know. It's just like, I was just passing by. I was in the neighborhood. Yeah, he's just here. Yeah. I turn into things with dinosaur powers. It's just like, this guy turns into things with Thomas Edison? <laughs> yeah, a little ill-defined. Uh, yeah, and the eyeball ghost child appears to also say he has a robot. Yeah, which we do not see in this nope. episode. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, just by the way, there's robots in the other shows. So I let you guys know. Bye. Which like the comparison of these two makes you think like, okay, so Common Rider's like the B show and Sentai is like the A show. That's where they put all the money in. And then you look at what the Sentai show looks like, and it's like, hmm. Oh, it's the other way around, it turns out. Common uh, Rider is the A show. I I don't know about that. Hmm. I think Common Rider so far has proven itself to have much better production values. Uh, then, then, then again, then again, then again. Think of how much money was spent into capturing the essence of the cube whale. That's true. And how that may have not left much for the rest of the episode. Yes, exactly. I had not considered this. Anyway, Red Ranger pulls out his Rubik's cube, and uh, we get a transformation sequence with both of them at the same time, which is cool. Uh, we also get like the the people doing the subtitles. It's the exact same subtitle effects from the other show, but just in this one for yep. whenever, like, the Zoker Ranger is doing a thing, which is great. Uh-huh. It's really good. Also, the Luchadors do a Nazi salute, which is a <laughs> thing in this show, apparently. A lot of putty men this time, not, I did not expect Porcupinoid to be a member of the alt-right, but... <laughs> Also, he gives his measurements for whatever reason. Uh, um, so yeah, there's this whole fight sequence that goes on. Uh, one bit that is really uh, good here is when they pull out their swords and they look pretty much identical, like this sort of odd off-kilter blade that they have. Uh-huh. Uh, but the difference between their swords... We already know the, the the cube motif going on over there in the other program. In this one, I'm not sure why Common Rider's sword just has a big old pair of sunglasses glued to it, but that's the know. gimmick. I, yeah, it's even called like Sunglass Blade. Yeah, here's my sunglasses themed sword. But they like they compare swords that they're like, huh, oh, that's cool, huh? Yeah, similar. But different. Yeah. Yours is a cube and mine's a pair of sunglasses. When I was watching this, I had closed this window for a little bit to post uh, images of the guy on the carousel saying that. Uh, I had missed this part where... So after 
in the middle of this battle it cuts back to the other guy in the real world and like a mafia monster shows up is it supposed to be like a mafia monster like he's got a coat and like that old style like scarf thing and a fedora i missed this too (laughs) it's just a mafia monster i think that the b part of this episode was just nothing there was just nothing going for it and so i somehow missed the it had which was the mafia monster yeah it was like they were talking at this point i thought ah there's nothing important happening here there's also a guan yu monster apparently like just a no, you dude, know, dude that just looks like guan yu from dynasty warriors and also real life no, but you know you know what the mafia monster looks like it doesn't actually look like a mafia guy it looks like kramer when he was dressed up like a pimp <laughs> a little bit a little no it's like a dead ringer for him no because it's not like all purple and like fuzzy in the same way it's just sort of like a mafia costume i see what you're trying to do here cops are just gonna rush him and you'll get your hands on the car perv (laughs) kicking his legs apart that was different episode that was the uh, detective episode was that like library detective uh yeah no 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 it was where i can't remember who i I think it was like jerry thought that his girlfriend or no like a guy came to clean jerry's apartment and stole something from him and so kramer posed as a cop and busted into his apartment told him to kiss the wall and then took what was stolen from jerry and left that's right okay yeah uh, but we uh, we end up kicking it back to the actual battle going on, the interesting part of this episode, where we get the second best line of the episode, which is Porcupinoid yelling, Bastards, how dare you kill my cute combatants? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and the response to this is Red Ranger takes out his ivy sword and just like whips him into it and then swings him around for a while. And it's just the most stiff, like, a lot of this is just, you can tell that they took still images of this dude in the costume against a green screen, and they're just flipping through the images. Uh-huh. So as he's being swung around, it's, there's no transition, there's no animation, it's just at one point he's perfectly stiff, and at the next he's sort of, like, flailing. Yep. And then, uh the common writer like gets a bat and just smacks him and he like bounces between these poles like a pachinko machine yeah that actually was the bit where it drew me it uh kind of brought me back to the point that i made uh much earlier in this which is that the intro felt very anime-esque this bit of him ping-ponging around it just thought like if this were done in anime this would look really cool like, in here, it looks goofy, and it's nowhere near as, like, stylish as something like that would be, but it still feels very anime. Sure. My, I also really like the part right after this where Red Ranger transforms and then basically does, like, a Mortal Kombat finisher move, or, like, an Injustice finisher on him, where it's just like, we're gonna fling him into the air and then hit him a whole bunch of times in the air. Yeah. Just bopping him around. Yep. While he's screaming, help me. (laughs) That's right. And then they both, like, kick him at the same time and fly towards the screen, and there's an Aqua Teen Hunger Force explosion. And he's dead. (laughs) 
Uh, they never, um, they never resolve. Oh no, they do. The the people from the harpoons get restored. Okay. Yeah, they do. You even get like, I the one I that was yelling. Oni Chan like finds her brother. So that's nice. Yeah, that they were. Yeah, that that you know close the loop. It's important. Mm-hmm. It's important for the audience to have that loop closed. Anyway, uh, Red Ranger just says bye in the leaves. That's yep. the end of the crossover. Yep. See ya. <laughs> that was it. That was the whole thing. When we heard that there was a crossover episode, I was honestly expecting more than just that. But yeah, I was wrong. I wonder if they show up multiple times, actually. But this was just the one I saw in the um, thumbnails. So yeah. Well, it does. It does at least sound like Common Rider showed up uh, in in their show, and that this oh, is man. sort of their. Oh, and here's another part I missed because I was uh, posting screenshots oh. of the thing I was very excited about. Mafia Man has a a Barrett gun arm. Oh man, I want more of Mafia Man. Yeah, but yeah, so we actually closed this episode on. Something I thought was was very interesting, which I guess is supposed to like tie into a movie or something, which is that we we cut to a certain country. Yes, this was, is it. This is it. This is what I was excited about. Yeah, I. Where where did you think that this was? I don't know. Kind of looked like Brazil or something to me. Yeah, I thought I thought but, maybe like Thailand. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's weird they don't but, say. I, it must be because yeah. it's just like the homeland of maybe uh, original common writer who shows up here, which is the exciting yeah. bit. Uh, maybe like his home city was just never named. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, so I was not expecting like OG common writer to show up in this thing. That's right. Uh, which again to tie into this movie i don't know if it's that it's supposed to like he's a, a bad guy in the movie or something like that like that's kind of the vibe i got from that trailer i don't think so uh, but they, they play like the trailer at the front of this thing so like it wasn't totally unexpected like i just wasn't expecting him to actually show up in the episode but they were clearly doing something with him well see when i saw it actually i skipped the beginning of this because i had to get this watched quick as or as quick as I could So I didn't even see that oh. So this was a total surprise for me And I loved it Yeah That's really good uh, I also think that the the whole thing of like A certain place or a certain time Seems like a That might be a thing in Japanese media Because I swear to god I have seen that pop up in something else I want to say it even popped up in a different like Sentai thing that we watched recently Yeah it's like how they never want to name any country Like even if it's clearly USA They'll say like country X Uh, That's true It's that specific phrasing though Of a certain thing Oh yeah speaking of that We didn't mention before There was a part where uh, The monk guy said something about how If something happens twice It can happen a third time Which apparently is a saying in Japanese Because that's also what was said When Rohan was gambling With uh, Josuke at Silo Yeah I I had told you I told you after you brought that up Like I, I definitely heard that someplace else And I just did not like Make the connection that it was actually from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, a yep. show we sometimes talk about. Sometimes, on this 
Yeah. This this has been our common writer special. It's mostly because we just rolled it. Honestly, it would have been great if we did this for like an episode of JoJo's where like not much happened, but that episode of JoJo's was also really good. That's right. I mean, we were kind of expecting the worst because it was a part one. And so yeah. that's sort of what led to this, but eh, you know. Easily the best part one of this entire season we got so far. Yeah. Maybe one of my favorite episodes of this season. Uh I liked the part one of White Ice also. White album. That but... is also very that actually like White Album Part Two might be my favorite episode of the entire season, but the one that we watched for this episode of the podcast is up there. Yes, I think so too. Yeah. So, hey, I mean, we got, like, a really solid hour and a half of Japanese television. Like, the only thing I thought was kind of a bummer about this was, like, the B-plot of episode 24 of Kamen Rider just sort of, like, didn't really go anywhere interesting. Like, that's it. Well, hey, uh, something important. You need to go get your tickets to the Kamen Rider movie, uh, because that way you you get uh, a little Happy Meal toy that wiggles. I want the wiggle and toy. There are also cards. Oh, that's right. There's this bit at the end of the episode where they advertise it, and the monk character and the lady character <laughs> like fall down on the floor because they've just been handing these tickets out to movie theaters, and they have this like horror movie moment where they just sort of like slink up from behind a table, and the monk's head starts twitching around. Yep. And like their yeah, their hair is all messed up. I love it. It's actually kind of like remarkable how often they seem to make movies for these things because there's not been like a single episode for Tokusatsu Roulette that hasn't advertised a movie for the show that we watch. Yeah, I know, and they're theatrical too. That's the weird thing to me. Like you would think they would all just be TV movies, but no, they're yeah. they're putting them out in theaters. Yeah, no, we we have had a 100% success rate of there being a movie trailer on every single one of these. Yep. That is insane to me. Because, again, this is random. Yep. It must just always be there's always something in production. Yeah, that's that's got to be the case. I... It it really makes me wonder just what, like, the actual landscape of uh, movies is in Japan. Um... Because this is something that also happens with, like, a lot of animes, is that they have a lot of movies that come out. I mean, there's always another, like, Dragon Ball Super movie Dude, coming out. Even okay. Though... I, I just looked at the movies tab on Jatoku. I count, okay. I count five movies for one series that I just put on the roulette. So... Perfect. And that's, like, 50 episodes. <laughs> like, they're all, like, 50 episodes. So... I, I, it really just makes me wonder if the Japanese movie market is just absolutely saturated. Like, if your monthly release is just impossible to manage. Maybe. It's, it's gotta be. Like, the amount of just anime movies and movies for basically kids shows and stuff that are coming out is just at such a rapid clip that I think that they always just, like, there's something new coming out constantly. It feels that way here in the States, but in Japan it seems, like, much worse. This makes me wonder if they have, like, specialty theaters that just show stuff like this. That's a really good point. 
Like, I feel like that must be the case. Because there's like no a way. Porno therapy is for powers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there must. That's the only way it would be feasible. I would think. Yeah, like you just have a single theater that's just like this is nothing but anime movies. Yeah. Or I could also see it being something where it's just like these theaters are mostly like geared towards a certain age group. So like maybe this theater is more geared towards very young children or more of like a teenage young adult crowd or you know, an o- older audience for this one. Or yeah, they, they, they break it down in some sort of more... More, st- yeah, I, I don't know. Well, let's find out where, what, what we are watching next week. Let's yeah. go a one through ten. I mean, I know what the Chinese Six. movie market is like. Just uh-huh. American movies. Oh, yeah. They love Aquaman. It's all Aquaman yeah, no, it's all just Iron Man, but you got like another five minutes where Iron Man flies over to China and like <laughs> blows the prime minister or something. I don't know. So we got six, which is Black Clover. Hmm. You know Black Clover? Sounds familiar. Very popular. It it is currently running, and so that was the one I was saying that I keep having to update the number of episodes every once in a while. Uh, I have not updated in a while. Last time I did, it was at 79, so that's what we're going with, because I'm not going to look it up. Okay. So let's say... Start at 40? 40 to 79? Sure. Yeah. 71. Okay. So, next um, up, Black Clover, 71. So, I think we're still striking everything off of the list now after we watch it just because we want to get to everything else, right? Yep. So, there's no more Common Rider on the list? Nope. Not Common Rider Ghost. Ooh, that actually how many more of these kind of shows are on the list? I am keeping, every time we hit one of them, I'm replacing it with another one of that type. So, for example, okay. now it's a different common Rider in that slot. We have a different Sentai in that slot. We still have not hit the third one, uh, the third type of tokusatsu, so. Okay, that's good, because, I mean, speaking of, like, 100% success rate on just getting these, like, movie trailers... Also, 100% of the time, they have been very fun to watch. Yes. Also, actually, uh, that was not quite a legitimate role because I forgot to take Slam Dunk and Reborn off of the list. But oh no! if we had landed on those, I would have just re-rolled anyway, so... Yeah, it's... Eh, look, you, the important thing is you caught your mistake now. So, we watch Black Clover next week. Yes. And then, you know, then Black don't Clover ever make them. Done. That's Stand and Deliver. It's yep. a podcast a... episode that we did. Yep. Yeah. Only took a couple hours. I want to I wanna just mention one more thing before we go. I'm not going to get into the whole thing. Um, about halfway through Kingdom Hearts 2. I laughed my ass off at Mickey Mouse showing up and just going like, Oh, are you all talking about the door to darkness? <laughs> Yep. Like, threw my controller over. It's like. Are you at the point where it's just like, all right, now we're getting into the actual Kingdom Hearts plot? 
Yeah, I sat through like 45 minutes of a bunch of dudes talking in a white featureless room yep. about things I'm not totally clued in on, but they're clued in on. It's great how you could see the exact point at which Kingdom Hearts jumps the shark. And it's right there. It's just, all right, you're through all of the Disney worlds. Now we're going to give you, this is just Nomura's brain just dumped out onto the screen. And now you also have to go through every world again. Our boss built a room. Uh, the room is a graveyard. There's a person in the room he talks to. Uh, there's another room, though. And the other room is another graveyard with the boss's other friend. Yeah, the Patriots. That's where they live. Oh God! This the bit. Week. Okay, I, I'll tell you about this thing off yeah. off the air. <laughs> we'll see you next time. No, bye bye bye. Save bye. it for next week. Yeah.